Hello and welcome to the For The Win podcast where we discuss the human side of sports. My name is Luke Cudnine, back from holiday and no better way to return than talk to my good friend and features editor of For The Win, Chris Corman. How are you, Chris? Hey, good, Luke. Good to have you back, man. How, how was that holiday? What, what did you do? It was wonderful. The weather, I went to England, I went back to the motherland. Um, the weather was surprisingly good. Uh, it was the happiest I've seen the Brits in a while. Um, when, uh, the, <laughs> Did you, have a, you had a corking good time? Corking good time, apart from the Dolphin-Saints game, which I went to, which was, wow, was by insane. far the least entertaining football game <laughs> I've ever been to in my life. But you know what, as, as Steve and our colleague said, oh, I shouldn't really have been expecting much more, so I suppose he's right. <laughs> yeah, that was a mistake. It was a mistake. Anyway, so I have brought you on this podcast because I want to know whether... Sports writers and athletes and team owners should be sticking to sports. Um, this has become increasingly big news over the last couple of weeks, um, and it sort of came to a head today. Uh, Jamel Hill, well, yesterday, uh, Monday, the o- October 9th, ESPN announced that she had been suspended for two weeks for violating um, the company's social media guidelines. Um, she uh, her crime was she sort of intimated that if fans are unhappy with uh, the way that w- with the stance of Dallas Cowboys owner Jerry Jones saying that players should be fired if they disrespect the national anthem, she intimated that if fans are unhappy with that, they should start boycotting the team and they should start boycotting um, the sponsors of the team. Um, that was a step too far for ESPN, who, as I said, suspended her for two weeks. And then on Tuesday morning, uh, President Donald Trump weighed in, tweeting, uh, quote, with Jamel Hill at the mic, spelt M-I-K-E, I might add, um, with Jamel Hill at the mic, it is no wonder ESPN ratings have tanked. In fact, tanked so badly, it is the talk of the industry. So, Chris, I guess stepping back, what are your, I mean, what what is your sort of overriding take, especially on the question of uh, the role sports writers play in sort of publicly talking about the political climate of the moment? Well, yeah, I mean, I think right now, in this moment, it's impossible for for sports writers and for athletes to stay out of politics because politics has very aggressively come to them, right? I mean, what I think a lot of people are forgetting is that before Donald Trump called uh, kneeling football players sons of expletives, uh, there were only, I think, six players, maybe seven, that were demonstrating <laughs> during the national anthem this season in the NFL. It, it had largely uh, seeded away. It was it was not something that was happening on a broad scale, and it was people were certainly talking about it to some degree, but it was not a huge story like it was uh, when Colin, Colin Kaepernick first did it. Um, and you know, Trump made it. The, I mean, it's the talking point. You know, you and I work on Sundays. You, you skipped a couple Sundays. You were, you were in the pub in London. But <laughs> you know, we. That's like you know, you looked at Twitter, and that's what people were talking about. They, this is the storyline surrounding sports at this point. So it's it's been very difficult for uh, people to get out of the way. But going to Jamel Hill, the thing that I I don't know if everyone realizes about Jamel Hill is that. She is not uh, a traditional sports setter anchor. You know, she. I, I think when a lot of us think of sports center anchors, we think of someone who's, uh, you know, sort of witty and 
uh, has a fun time showing highlights and really came up through a broadcast background where they were, uh, you know, there's not much uh, debating about what's going on or analyzing the news. That's not really part of the job. It's presenting the highlights, uh, interviewing people. It's a totally different job. Jamel Hill was a newspaper columnist uh, and a newspaper columnist at an extremely young age. I mean, she was, uh, you know, probably in her 20s when she first got a column and uh, that success was largely based on her ability to uh, write about the intersection of culture and sports, society and sports, politics and sports, uh, being able to, to cross all those lines. So that's who Jamel Hill is, and that's who she's always been. And ESPN promoted her, uh, you know, they hired her for the website, promoted her on the television, promoted her onto their uh, signature program. So, so this was ESPN knowing what they had and what they uh, you know, and, and telling us, the viewers, that this is what we want, this is what we think is engaging and important. Uh, and they got it from Jamel Hill. I don't know why this would surprise them. Um, so in the case of Jamel Hill, it's certainly, you know, that's who she is. That's how she got to where she is. Um, and there's always been and there always will be sports writers like that. Um, but, but there's far more of us who are getting dragged into it now uh, or feeling the need to... to uh, voice and opinion now, just because. I mean, honestly, it's it's come to us. It's you know the the fight has come to sports, and, yeah. and there are a lot of reasons for that. Yeah, yeah. You know, we'll get to athletes in a minute, but I I do think it's interesting that I, I always try really hard to understand this from a sports fan's perspective. You know, like somebody who comes on to for the win. Um, and, and what do they want to see? Or, you know, goes on to any, turns on ESPN, right. goes to any sports program, what do they want to see? I am sympathetic to the idea. It's like, you know, I, I, if I want to watch the news, I'll watch the news. Like, I, I kind of, you, you, I'm sympathetic to the viewpoint that a lot of people will say, you know, like, sports is kind of my escape. Like, please right. don't ram something down my throat that you want to talk about that I'm not coming to you for. You know, I, I, I do, I can understand that perspective a lot. Um, I, I also think, and this is something that we've talked a lot about in the past, that the best stories, I mean, what we're taught in journalism school, what we're taught by every good editor that we've ever had is that um, the best stories they show, they don't tell. You know, and I think that the best stories also do sort of belie some kind of point about the greater culture within and using sports as that vehicle to discuss it um i think that when you look at a place like twitter where ideas are just constantly ideas and emotions are just kind of constantly flooding that space all the time it's very easy for public facing journalists to just spout out a straight opinion when in reality the probably i would say the best way to tackle what they want to say would be to go find a story that illustrates the point they're trying to tell. You know, they're, they're trying to show it, they're not trying to tell it. Um, right. That said, I, I really agree with you in that I think, you know, not just the environment at large, but the sports climate has just become so political in so many different ways. And when you start looking, um, you, you know, this is actually a good bridge to the national anthem conversation we're about to have, but how do you report on a football game for example, when you have six players kneeling for the national anthem, are you supposed to just pretend like, like, say that they have knelt and not 
explain any of the context around it. I think we would be doing a disservice to people asking us to cover the game if we were to do that. You know, like, right. it's, it, it, the, the environment is, it, it's more these frustrations people have, I think, are to do with the environment that has become so politically charged and less with us who are simply trying to paint the picture around these situations. Right. I mean, going back to your point about uh, fans wanting it to be an escape, I, I've had exchanges with uh, people that emailed me and said, you know, stop bringing this in. I mean, they're very angry about it. It's it's really sort of an amazing thing that they really feel an affront that uh, politics has in any way intermingled with uh, their their Sunday football extravaganza. And, uh, you know, I, I asked a lot of them about it, and they just, for them, they, they don't see... I mean, frankly, they don't see the athletes as people. You know, yeah. they see them as, uh, you know, just athletes. They're just playing this game. They're wearing the uniform that I care about. I'm not that interested in their background. I'm not interested in what they think about society. I, I just want them to catch the football. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and there are some people who uh, who approach sports that way, uh, but there are plenty who do not. And uh, And I think when you are around a team, you know, think about the, the people who are bringing these stories. As you say, six players kneel, and there are how many ever people in a press box? Fifty beat writers, or what? You know, probably not that many. <laughs> Twenty beat writers and TV people. Uh, they're around those players every day. That's their livelihood. They they spend every day of tr- training camp with football players. They ask them questions about their livelihood. They say, "Are you? Do you think you're going to get cut?" Do you think your, you know, do you think this thing you worked your entire life for is going to come crumbling down today because you threw an interception in, in a meaningless pre? Like they have a very, you know, it's not a close friendship, but it's an intimate relationship in a lot of ways. They are around. They're in the locker room. They're asking these questions. Um, so of course they see uh, the football players as as people, and and if they see them do something during the national anthem, they're going to go over and say, why did you do that? What did you mean by it? Uh, you know, what do we need to be talking about that, that you're concerned with? And that's how it's going to work. To me, just, you know, you don't have to click on it. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's just not, I mean, if people want to only follow, I, I think most, I mean, maybe a lot of sports fans just watch the games. You know, we know that. We work for a sports media company. We track which posts do best. You know, we know that Sometimes, like if Odell Beckham makes the greatest catch ever, then a lot of people are going to click on it because they like watching great catches. If you know a football player says a smart sentence about something, let's be honest, it's probably not going to get as many clicks because that's not there's not as many fans looking to sports for that sort of uh, information. But that doesn't mean it's you know that we can abandon it or should abandon it. Uh, you know, especially when you have guys like Eric Reed, the 49er safety, who's really taken up Colin Kaepernick's role, really leading uh, as far as being an NFL player, being in the league, and, and talking about these things. I mean, he's very eloquent. He's, he's saying really intelligent things. It'd be a huge disservice for us not to cover that. Hey guys, sorry to interrupt, but do you hate shopping for clothes but still want to look good? Let me tell you about Bonfell. Bonfell is an easier way for men to get better clothes. Fully personalized, every piece has been handpicked for you by your stylist. The stylist will email you his or her selections, after which you'll have 48 hours to make any changes or even cancel altogether. 
you're in total control. Then when you receive your clothes, you have seven days to tell us what you want to keep, send the rest back. It's completely flexible. You can receive your clothes when you want and you can pause or cancel at any time. I'm actually a Bonfell customer myself and I must say that I love it. I was so excited when I got my box in the mail and I busted out all my new clothes on my recent trip back to London. High quality and cool, I was getting compliments all over the place, so I definitely recommend. And good news, For The Win has negotiated with Bonfell a special offer for our listeners. You get $25 off your first purchase if you visit bombfell.com forward slash FDW. That's bombfell, B-O-M-B-F-E-L-L dot com forward slash FDW. Once again, that's bombfell.com forward slash FTW, Bonfell, open and close. Yeah, and, 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 and as you said, like, I do think this, you know, this whole sort of stick to sports mindset, um, it, it, it's, I, I feel like, you know, I, I can understand that from a company's point of view, a company is basically allowed to say, like, we don't want right. you to publicly, you know, this is what ESPN said, sure. like, right. we don't want you to publicly say this stuff because we're a private company and we have that right, you know, no one right. said, you know, the First Amendment uh, has to do with right. the protection under the, the government. government, you know, the yeah, the government. no one said, the government isn't coming after Jamel Hill, her privately owned, uh, or actually it's publicly owned company is, is saying that you shouldn't be allowed to do this. Um, so from a legal perspective, like it's hard to see where ESPN could go wrong, but I do think that this whole stick to sports mindset, exactly, it speaks to this tension, whereas um, people really just don't really want to hear anything that they don't want to hear. <laughs> and, and then I think that, um, you know, when, when you look at, it sort of speaks to what you said, that you don't have to click on it, you don't have to read it, you don't even have to really like it, but you know, I think it's sort of incumbent upon all of us just to sort of allow each other to say the things that they want to say um, and, and, and acknowledge sort of acknowledge all these different viewpoints that are floating around um, regardless of what we think of them. I, I do want to pick your mind about the athletes side of the equation though. It's one thing to talk about media perspectives but a lot of people dog on athletes for saying that you know we've put you and I'm sure this is something that you have you know experienced a lot um, sort of your reporting throughout your career too, whereas um, people will sort of often say, you know, we put you on a pedestal and now you're turning this pedestal to advance your own political opinions or beliefs. Um, Kaepernick is obviously, that's a constant criticism of his, that, you know, he, he was a very successful professional athlete and now he's using his fame and fortune to pioneer a cause that may alienate some of his uh, once fans. I mean, what 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 do you what is what do you make of that uh, argument? Well, I, I think when it comes to the NFL and certainly the NBA, um, and actually Hemel and I were talking about this in a podcast not long ago. I, it's a totally different world, right? The NFL is seventy percent black. Uh, there's there are you know beyond some inner city neighborhoods. Uh, that it's not that's not the rest that's not the rest of the country. That's not what people experience uh and, and so w when you get that many uh black you know black kids a lot of them are 20 21 22 you know they're straight out of college uh and you give them a platform you are going to hear things different than what you are accustomed to hearing yeah. because this is a different group of people uh you know colin kaepernick and colin kaepernick not even you know he was Famously, at this point, he was raised by you know a white family. He, was, he, he didn't come from a rough neighborhood. He didn't have that bad upbringing. Uh, 
you know, your people say, like, I don't understand what he's upset about. Like, he's obviously trying to speak for other people. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, it, it's, it's amazing that we're at this point where enough black athletes feel secure, secure that they can talk about serious issues like this. But it's still not anywhere near what it probably could or should be. Um, you know, there are uh, uh, many media outlets have run quotes from anonymous players saying, uh, you know, they they aren't they aren't secure enough in their position. The NFL is tough, man. Like you don't have a guaranteed contract, and the owners, you know, if you're not a top twenty-two guy, if you're not really solid on the depth chart, you are eminently replaceable. There are so many, you know, there are so many guys ready and willing to replace you. So, uh, you know, we're still in a place where I think. Actually, we're not hearing nearly as much as players probably want to be saying. Uh, the NBA has been a little bit more progressive because there's a ton more security uh, due to the contract structure. You know, the, the owners are going to owe you most of the money that they said they were going to pay you. Um, so it, it's been a little bit different there. But this is what this is, you know, sports. I don't know if people didn't realize this when they were going to games and looking down at football stadiums. I don't know if they didn't realize that it was a a much different segment of society than they go to, you know, when they're at the mall or when they're, you know, working at an office building. But it's, you know, we it, it, there are many, many more uh, black players in, in the NFL compared to the rest of, you know, the most most places we go in society, and they're going to share different thoughts. Uh, and I don't know why we wouldn't see that as a good thing. Uh, you know, it's... It's a constructive conversation that we should be having. Exactly, exactly. And then the sort of willingness to talk about things that um, that we ordinarily wouldn't consider or, or, or have talked about before. I, I will. I must say that um, I, I we had talked we talked about this uh, yesterday, I believe. But I was one thing I was truly amazed about was when I was in England. I was obviously sort of unplugging a little bit. But you watch BBC News and or Sky News and Kaepernick's protest, the idea of players kneeling during the national anthem was one of the leading stories um, on multiple different days. Like, it was a big, big, big story in England, which is um, not, a, you know, American football is growing in popularity over there, but it's not a top four sport over there, top three sport. It's a uh, uh, but this was this had very much transcended into the mainstream, where newspapers were writing about it, and shows were talking about it, and people were debating it. And I, I not only did I find that amazing from a from a pure sort of impact that this is having, point of view, it's truly on a global scale at this point. But I but I must say the majority opinion that I read from over there is that um, that. I don't think that the national anthem is the time or place to do it, but they, of course, have the right to do this. Um, right. that, that was the majority opinion that I think that, that, was, that, that was made clear across a variety of different platforms. It, it's funny then coming back over here and obviously leaving here from the first place, here being America, is that there seems to be that the detractor, the conversation is just different. And I think President right. Trump has pushed it in this direction where it's not about whether they have the right to do this, what are they trying to say? It's about, you know, they shouldn't be doing this at all. Um, the, the, this is uh, disrespecting the flag. And it's become so much about the protest um, and the perceived sort of 
uh, disrespect that the protest is causing that nobody's actually seems to be talking about uh, the conversation that Kaepernick was trying to have in the first place. Um, I mean, do you think that's fair to say? Yeah, I mean, I think it's been totally co-opted, uh, you know, but totally turned into a distraction. And, you know, that's, I, I think, the point. I mean, I think that's why the president of the United States would, would talk about any of this. I can't understand why otherwise. I mean, I guess that he believes he is representing some segment of the country that is offended by people kneeling for the flag. Uh, and, you and, know, and it's almost said, I, And it's I, almost as though he's question like, he and... Uh, a lot of people who he's speaking for are like questioning the legitimacy of it. You know, like the core legitimacy. Which is crazy. I mean, that's like, for you to go to England and for them to say, well, yes, of course they have First Amendment rights. Of course the people there can can, uh, protest and and they have free speech and they can address the government with their grievances. Like, the United States exists because... Uh, the founding fathers came up with those ideas and said, like, we're going to break away and form a country where everyone has a voice and everyone has freedom of speech. Like, those are the founding principles. And then for the president of the United States to be saying, oh, yeah, that's that's you you can't you can't protest during the anthem. Uh, That's I mean, to me, uh, I mean, I know that I, I, I sort of I probably went into this three months ago or whatever thinking, well, yeah, I'm, I'm, that's like a, a vast majority of people believe that. And I'm not so sure anymore. Uh, and I don't know what that says. I'm not smart enough to figure out what that says about us as a country. But there there definitely are people who think that this player should not be allowed to kneel during the anthem. And to me, that's about the most un-American thing that you can think. Um, just because it goes against <laughs> this very ideal that uh, people here have a voice, and they they can peacefully use that voice uh, in any way they see fit. Um, but as you said, we're I mean, it's just such a shame that we are we're we're on that we're stuck on that we're talking about that over and over and over, and not really getting to the fact that Colin Kaepernick has spent a million dollars on different programs. Uh, we're not you know Colin Kaepernick goes and talks to Jason Lockenforos, CBS, and. And the report we hear, you know, who knows how that conversation went, but what Lock and Four comes back and says is he's ready to play, he's practicing, he's getting up at 4 a.m. You know, we're not hearing, we're not having that chance to really dig in with Colin Kaepernick and say, hey, you know, a year ago you wore socks with pigs wearing cop hats. You know, what have you learned since then? How have you changed your, has your mind changed at all? What do you think we need to be doing? What are the next steps? Like, we aren't getting there because... Um, quite frankly, the original protesters, their their spot has been blown up. Um, you know what they wanted to talk about; it's been uh, turned into this mess. Yeah, I, I do wish that we could get. Like I said, Eric Reed is doing it a little bit. He's trying his best. Um, he wrote a, a beautiful essay for the New York Times. His interview after the last game was great, um, but that's not what people are. It's not what you know. When I when we look at the whole mass of the country, that's not what most people are hearing. And, and seeing with these protests. Yeah, and I must say that that really has been the most striking thing, that it's not, uh, and as I was saying earlier, it's not about the conversation, it seems, it isn't even about the protest or what the cause of the protest. It's not about anything other than the fact that um, is this legitimate to do at all? Whereas in England, which you would suspect would be behind in terms of, you, you know, really, like what Kaepernick's debating is... Um, 
sort of the black right in America um, right. and police brutality in America. Like these are very American centric issues um, that he's trying to uh, that he's trying to have a conversation with, and um, yet the conversation for a variety of different reasons has been bogged down whether this is legitimate form of protest. Um, is it, yeah, it, it was definitely striking. Um, it, it definitely sort of stands out and not sure, as you said, like this is above our pay grade, what this means for the future of it, but it certainly, I think, is a, is, is a point worth pointing out. Um, yeah. But in any case, I've taken up too much more of your, too much of your time, Chris. Um, follow all Chris's work at For The Win. Uh, follow him on Twitter. Uh, Chris, excuse me, what is your Twitter name again? It's just Chris Corman. Chris Corman. Classic, classy. I wouldn't expect anything less. Um, Corman, I appreciate you taking the time to be on the podcast, and I'm gonna looking forward to picking your mind about stuff again soon. All right, thanks, Luke. Appreciate it, man. All right, take it easy.